Hello everyone, welcome to Radically Loved Radio. I wanted to create a place where people can go to to get inspired, get motivated, or find some clarity and get tools to create a radically loved life. I will do my best to provide information on a variety of subjects, including yoga, holistic health, life coaching, spirituality, meditation, and overall mindful living. Each episode will bring you some of the world's best spiritual leaders, entrepreneurs, yoga teachers, coaches, along with some of my closest friends, and we will talk about their life experiences and journeys to create something more out of their lives and how they continue to grow to make that happen. Hey guys, Rosie here. I just want to say I am so grateful that you're listening. We are just getting a massive amount of response on this podcast, and I am so grateful that you're a part of this radically loved community, that you're enjoying the content and that you're enjoying all the guests and that you're still here and you're still working on yourself and your journey and your path. And I pray that you've received some tools listening to the guests or listening to any of my ideas or topics on meditation or yoga and how these tools can help you create a life of purpose to continue to help us give you the best content, you can subscribe to this podcast. And most of the time you can just do it from your phone, from iTunes, click subscribe and write a review. This really helps us continue this path and this journey. And we love doing it so much. And again, I'm so grateful that you're here. Let us know what you thought. Thanks for listening. One cup of tea is all it's going to take to completely transform your perception of what premium tea should be. For those of you who are tea lovers like me, I'm so excited to announce my partnership with Rishi Tea for this amazing giveaway. Rishi Tea is going to give away an entire matcha essentials kit. All you have to do is go on Instagram, tag me, Rishi Tea, and the hashtag radically loved Rishi for your chance to win an entire matcha essentials tea set which those of you that know me know that this is like the ultimate gift so for those of you that are interested go on instagram now snap a picture of what your tea ritual looks like and get ready to experience the best tea you've ever tried in your life Rishi tea is my ultimate favorite i cannot wait to share this experience with you Leila Fanucci is an artist and an entrepreneur. She has a very unique style in which she paints layered cityscapes and has an impressive resume of gallery and museum exhibits, including the Louvre in Paris. She's sold hundreds of paintings and you'll never guess her inauspicious beginnings. She has a background in the arts and her medium has always been music and for more than 25 years, she has played the clarinet, the piano, the guitar, and taught music both in schools and privately. When she discovered her true calling, it was the only drive she needed in order to propel her forward in her career. Today, she and her family run the Charter Oak Winery where she has her studio and her gallery. She and her husband spend their days sharing their respective art forms, wine, and paintings with people from all over the world. Her success story is something that was so pivotal to me and my journey and my path. And I've spoken with Michelle Finucci, which is her daughter, um, earlier this year in which we talked about this story and how it inspired me to basically follow my heart. She herself took a very bold and risky, but nonetheless deliberate path. And in this podcast, I had the pleasure and honor of talking to her a little bit about how she got there and she shares her keys to success and definitely some really wise insight as to how we can all really learn from finding what our passion is and finding what our true calling is. So thank you so much for listening to this. This is definitely one of my favorite interviews that I've done. And without further ado, here is Layla Finucci. I don't know if Michelle talked to you about how when she told me your story that that was sort of the catalyst to make me quit my job. <laughs> she told me a little, not a lot. So you can tell me a little more. Absolutely. So, she told me a little. Yeah, so basically this was 
uh, on a day and, and Michelle Finucci, uh, for, for those mm-hmm. of you listening, um, mm-hmm. is a friend of mine and it is Lila's daughter. And we were at a photo shoot, uh, for mm-hmm. my old boss and, I was just totally just, you know, like she saw me hunched over on my computer and I was totally stressed out. And obviously, you know, when somebody's really under a lot of stress, they emit it. You can, you can feel it, you can see it energetically. And, um, you know, Michelle and I, we had known each other for a couple of years at that point. And Mm -hmm. she just, you know, came and she sat next to me. We were just chatting and we were talking about the things in life that we are passionate about, like the the things that we really want to achieve in life and the things that we want to do. And then she right. started to tell me about you and your story and how, you know, you have your background in the arts, obviously, and in music and how basically mm-hmm. you, you I, and I want you to tell a story because I want to hear it in your words, but you basically left your that career to go and create mm-hmm. art and mm-hmm. and to basically uh go to your true calling as a painter and an entrepreneur and um that to me the way that she told me the story was pretty right. much all I needed to hear in that moment for me to like mm-hmm give my boss my notice and be like, (laughs) I can't be doing this anymore. Like if Lila did it, I could do it too. And so that's really like in the smallest nutshell, what happened. So, right. And I know you've heard, you've heard about it before. So, um, so everyone that's listening, my guest today is Lila Fonucci, who is an incredible artist. Uh, she has a signature style that she has created on her own. It's layered cityscapes. Um, she's got an impressive resume, <laughs> museum exhibits all around the world. Um, and I-, I could try and like tell people about you, but I feel like when when somebody when there's an mm-hmm. artist that that has a, had an exhibit at the Louvre in Paris to me I'm just like that's all really I have to say <laughs> 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 like that's it she's an artist <laughs> and she's on our show how lucky are we so first of all thank you for being here Lila I'm so excited oh, Rosie um, it's a pleasure it's a pleasure and uh, so it, for the people listening uh can you tell us a little bit about you, a little bit about your story? They're probably really mm-hmm. curious as to the story that I'm talking about that was the catalyst for me quitting my job. Um, so mm-hmm. maybe tell us a little bit about that. Sure, sure. Well, uh, I was a music teacher for 25 years, and uh, my last job was at Stanley the Catholic School, and I was there for 10 years. And, um, you know, when you teach, uh, you are, and rightfully so, bringing out the talent in the children and their talent, and so uh, that's what a good teacher does. Uh, but after 25 years, I wanted to um, kind of explore what was inside of me, and um, and so I just uh, had this... I started actually in a very um, unintentional way. I was teaching, and I started... Um, painting a painting, because I wanted one for my home, and I wanted a, a big painting. I wanted real, what I call real art, so yeah. no posters uh, <laughs> framed, but I wanted real art, so live art. So I went around, and I shopped around in the, the little towns nearby, and I couldn't find anything that I liked. Uh, so I went to a Ben Franklin store, and I bought a big board of uh, a, a canvas, and I bought uh, maybe six feet by five feet, and I bought paint, and I just went in the back of my backyard, and uh, I painted a painting, and that was my very first painting. And it was uh, it was everything I wanted. It had a lot of color, and I didn't think it was particularly that good, but it, it had all the elements. It was big, bold, and had a lot of color, and it was a live piece of art. So uh, I brought it to the framer, and he framed it, and I put it on the wall. I was still teaching, and during uh, the year, the next year, at our parties and this kind of thing, uh, nine people asked me, uh, oh, where did you get that beautiful painting? Uh, and uh, I want to, you know, have one too. And I said, well, I painted it. And they said, will you paint me a painting? Which I did. <laughs> and so in the first year, I sold nine paintings, and I became addicted to painting because it was a little bit of different element. It was everything that I had inside coming out. So now mm-hmm. I got to nurture 
my um, my uh, uh, artistry. So it felt very, very good, and I enjoyed it so much. Uh, a year later, I quit teaching, and I dedicated myself to painting 200 paintings in two years, and I painted 14, 16 hours a day, and I loved every moment. And that was the beginning of uh, how I transferred from, and I like to say I changed mediums from music to art uh, instead of saying I was an artist 20 years ago. I think I've been an artist my whole life, but I just Mm -hmm. changed mediums uh, Mm -hmm. in 1999. So that's Mm -hmm. how it started. (laughs) Mm, That's how that, and that just to me is, is something so beautiful. You're just the story of you being able to, you know, you were working with kids and teaching them how to bring this part of themselves out in them. And then you, something happened and you were like, wait, this is something that I love to do and I want to do this now. So how, how did that moment happen for you? Well, it was, it was in the painting for the other people that I, be, I became really addicted. I really loved it. And, and you know, in my breaks, I would go paint. In my lunch break, I'd go paint. So I knew it was something that felt really good to me. And it's just, it's just uh, when you um, nurture any kind of talent you have, it feels really good. It just, it's what you are meant to do. It's what you want to do. It's what you feel really good doing. And I've been painting for 20 years since that time, and mm-hmm. I've never woken up uh, one day and said, uh, oh, I've got to, to paint today. It's, it's, it's totally the opposite. I can't wait to get to it. Mm-hmm. So when you have a passion, um, you you want to be there. That's why they say it doesn't seem like work, because you you love being there. You want to be there, and it's, it's what you want to do. So that, that addiction happened when I was painting that first year, and then it was a, um, a challenge to make it work into a business and that was the next few years what I had to figure out was how do I make art a business uh because uh, uh I still had three kids who needed to eat yeah. so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah that, that's right so was it an easy transition you know how they always say like artists are not very good business people I refuse yes. to believe that because I've yes. seen it been done and yes you know, I, I, I aspire to be able to, mm-hmm. to do both as well. So tell us how mm-hmm. you did that. Well, I do think that um, an artist loves to create, and I do think that uh, when you focus in on that side, uh, you're doomed. Because I do about 50% the business side of art mm-hmm. and 50% the creative and the painting side, the side we all love of art. So I do think that if you don't have that business side, you're doomed to fail, and um, and I do think you need both. So for me, uh, I spent a lot of time creating and the works to present them to the world, but I also spent a lot of time on the business side. Um, you know, with you know, getting into galleries and getting to know the people and marketing, and you know, inviting them over to my studio. And there was a lot of the business side um, and the PR side that I did all uh, pretty much by myself. So um, I think one without the other it'll work if you don't want to make art a business. It'll work. It'll work if, you, if that's what you want to do, you know, as a hobby or as a, as a, as a you know, gift to people or things like that. Mm-hmm. As a charity, it'll work in that way. But if you want to make art a business, as I did, um, uh, then um, then you have to really focus 50-50. 50 business, 50 creating. Mm-hmm. And that's what I did. Wow. And... You have such a drive, Lila. Like there's there's something so inspiring about your drive and, and your dedication to making these things work. And I think that a lot of the times we struggle with having the the uh, the principles to to thrive in that sense. So it, have you have you always had that sense of drive? Have you always been that that committed to what you're doing, is this like your temperament or was this something that you learned early mm-hmm. on from somebody else? I think, uh, I think the key to that, the answer to that question is this. You have to really find what you love to do, not what you think you have to do or what your, somebody else thinks you have to do, but you have mm-hmm. to find what you really love to do and then you have to make it work in a, in a business type setting. Um, so my goal was, So uh, my goal with this, uh, because you have to be a little bit realistic as well Mm -hmm. with any career that you change to, and my goal, because it was a a career that there's no ladder, I'm the only ladder. I have to create this myself. 
And so I gave myself two years and because I did have uh, three children and two of them were in college, and that's like <laughs> the worst financial time of any person on the planet. <laughs> so I did have that looming over my head. Right. And what I, said, what I said to myself was, I'm going to give myself two years, and if I can make as much as I did teaching in two years and then do, and continue up, then we'll continue on. And if I can't, then I go back to teaching. And that was kind of my goal. So I had a goal to work very hard to achieve that goal. And I set goals for myself. Um, I love, um, I was honored to be in Marlo Thomas's book, It Ain't Over Till It's Over, where she wrote about 60 women who are entrepreneurs. And I was honored to be in her book, but I love the one fact that she put in um, asking me, how much uh, did you make as a music teacher and how much did you make in 2013? And I told her both uh, uh, numbers. And year, in two years, I definitely made as much as I was teaching. And uh, 10 years later, she did the math, and it was like this. Uh, Layla made, in one year, selling uh, 23 paintings that year, uh, as much as she would have made had she been teaching for 33 years. Uh, so when you follow your passion and you really work hard, and it's something you really love to do, I think the money follows, but I also think it's a lot of work. And, and so for me, you have to kind of have these goals and these hoops. You can't just go in blindly. And then you have to try to meet those goals and meet mm. those hoops. And then uh, things start to click. But it's not something, and I tell this to everybody, that happens quickly, overnight, or, I mean, that, that idea that it, it happens and success is there and you're, you're there. Selling the 23 paintings took 10 years of a lot of hard work. Um, and so devotion, dedication to only that craft of, of uh, that artistry of painting. So when people come to me and say, well, I have five kids and I, and I, I have four jobs, and it's not going to happen. You have to focus in on the one thing that you love and make it happen. And that's what I did. Wow. And that's so great. And I have two questions. I, I have so many questions <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I'm going to try and prioritize. <laughs> the first one to what you're saying is how, if there's somebody out there listening or, or for people out there that are mm -hmm. like, well, I don't know what I love. Like, I know that, that, you know, what, what mm -hmm. you guys are talking about, find something that you love. And what if I don't have anything that I love to do? Mm -hmm. Well, to that, I would say, um, then this is just my belief. I think there's, and I don't think there's just one talent in all of us. I think there's many talents in all of us. Mm -hmm. I, I really do. I mean, I think you can be a musician and you can be an artist and you can you can have many, many talents. Mm -hmm. You don't just have to necessarily have one. But I think that my answer to that would be you really have to find what makes you happy. Like music makes me really happy. I can play all day long and it would be five minutes that I'm there for eight hours. Um, painting makes me happy. Same thing, I can paint all day, it seems like 15 minutes. You have to find what makes you happy. You know, what is that, where is that place where you find the work that makes you happy? And everybody has talent. It's it's just a matter of finding it, what is it, and really being true to that talent, not what you mm -hmm. think it should be or what others think it should be, but really what you think it should be. And then And then taking that talent, and this is the hard part, doing the hard work mm. that goes with that. You know, I work and still work seven days a week. I work long hours, and um, and because I enjoy it, it doesn't seem like work, but I do put the time in. And sometimes people wonder, well, I want to do four hours here, five hours here. That won't work. Really dedicate your your time to what you love to do. And then your passion is now nurtured, and it grows, and it grows, and it grows, and then you climb up that ladder. That's mm -hmm. how I think what I would say. But I'm not a believer that you have only one, mm -hmm. uh, and that you, ha you once you, you find that one, no, you may have one, and it might be 20 years, and then or 10 years, and in 10 years you might find another talent and nurture it. That's what life's all about. Mm, that's so true. I I love what you're saying about being able to nurture those those talents that we have especially when we feel like we maybe don't have one or we feel like we're having a hard time connecting to something that really brings us joy to do. Right. Another thing that just to, to piggyback on mm -hmm. top of that is mm -hmm. the idea of, of hard work. Obviously, mm -hmm. you do not shy away from hard work. I don't shy away from hard work. I, I really believe right. what you're saying, how 
things do take time and dedication and you have to be committed. Mm-hmm. What do you think is happening in our age that we're in now with that? Mm-hmm. Because I feel like there's a lot of people, even maybe people listening that find mm-hmm. that talent and find something that they could commit to and do it for like a week and are like, oh, this mm-hmm. isn't working. This is obviously mm-hmm. not what I need to do. What mm-hmm. do you what do you say or what's your opinion in in our the culture that we're in at the moment with all this instant gratification and things happening yeah. quickly and get rich yeah. quick or find yeah. your destiny, you know, all of these things. Like what's your opinion right. about that? Well, I think your generation has it the hardest. I really do. I think this is the hardest <laughs> I'll start time. start crying right now. Like what? I know. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I really do. I think it's the hardest time because you're you're inundated with so much with your TV and your phone and your iPhone and your iPad and your computers and your oh, texts and your messages and your emails. It's 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 absolutely insane when you think about it. And you know, I think you you have uh, probably the hardest challenge of any generation of our time. At the same time, I also think you have the most blessings of any generation because the good of the bad of that is also there's a lot of good in that in that you have the ability this generation to be an entrepreneurial like nobody ever had before so you have that global internet coming in and you've got contacts with people and you've got access to so many things that the other generation didn't have so it's good and bad it's good and bad. Mm-hmm. What I would do is I would take the good and run with it. And if I were a young person in, in this generation, I would do something like start my own business, but really make it a business where you have the passion and, and this is something you really love. Like my husband loves making wine, so that's his passion. And I love the um, quote that he did for the CNN interview. It's my favorite quote, and it says like this. Uh, this is him quoting. Uh, he says, you can't stop me. From making wine, it's in my blood. That's a passion. When you mm-hmm. can't stop somebody, that's called passion. So you have to find that first, because it's not a passion, it's not going to happen. But then I would just find my way with all the um, access that you have to the internet and everything to create a business that is something that you wake up every day and are excited about, and set those goals. Okay, now in two years I need to be here, in three years I need to be here, in four years I need to do that. And it's really um, you, yourself, and you creating that uh, business and making it happen. I don't think that when you rely on other people to do it for you, I think that's when the fail, fail, failure happens. Mm-hmm. It, it's got to be you creating it and you making it happen and you driving the engine. And mm-hmm. because you have all the technology, that's the good news. It can happen, mm-hmm. whereas before I think it would be much, much harder. So I would take the good. The bad is you, you have to sift through all that and be able to compartmentalize and say, I'm, I'm going to now, you know, not let this in right now and, and because it's overwhelming. Yeah, yeah. There's the good, there's the good and the bad. <laughs> yeah, there is. You're absolutely right. And there is so much to sift through in, in your career, yes. especially with the amount of dedication and the amount of hard work and your businesses and, and your family and everything that you're doing. Has there ever been a time where you felt discouraged or you may have felt like maybe something that you were doing wasn't going to work? Well, you know, that's another thing that I think is really important when you when you find what you really love to mm-hmm. do. You, you just have this, I always had this optimism that, you know, I could do it, but I also had a backup plan. So if I couldn't do it, then uh, this is what we'll do. You know, we'll go back mm-hmm. to teaching or we'll, we'll do a different form of, of teaching. But um, so I always had my little backup plan because uh, uh, we needed that. But um, I always had the confidence because I knew that this was something that was so important to me. And, you know, this is something that it, it's interesting. When you believe in what you are presenting to the world, they believe in it too. And, you know, to date, I've sold... Um, over 400, I think 420 paintings to date. That's not Gucci clays or posters, just originals. And, you know, to have that many people believe in your work, you have to believe in it yourself. You have to really believe in what you do, and it transfers to other people. So if you don't believe in it, it's it's probably not going to go far. I've always believed in the, the... 
work that I've done and that it's it's something that is um, hopefully a gift that will that, will, that people will um, enjoy uh, for a lifetime. So I've believed in that and and I think it's translated. Uh, so you have to believe. Yeah. So the key is to be able to just fully commit. It's what you're saying. It's really about committing to yourself and, yeah. and believing in yourself. Yeah. And I think that uh, the mistake a lot of people make is uh, to try to do too much at one time. Mm-hmm. When I started uh, painting, it was uh, in my mid-40s. My children were grown. They're out, you know, they were they were uh, on their own pretty much. And, and so I could devote every single moment to painting. But, you know, if I had three little kids, um, it, it would have never happened. So you, you got to make sure you have the time and the place and the space to really focus and develop. Mm-hmm. Uh, if you're too scattered with five million things going on, it just won't happen. Yeah, and I think that part of that scattering is, for us and my generation, is the social media and, you know, all the distractions that we have, all the really great Netflix that's out there, you know, all of of these things that that just create so much distraction. And And that's the negative part that you have to control on your own within your own self and control that. And the positive side, being global and being able to, to reach so many people, you accept that. You welcome that, but you have to be able to control that. Otherwise, it will overtake you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In your life, who who have been the biggest influences? Been the biggest uh, the biggest uh, t- influences? Yes. Um, well, you know, I I really would say um, I really admire people who have um, achieved uh, whatever they wish to achieve and then have given back uh, to the world. So um, I, I admire many politicians that have done that and that are still working in their 80s, uh, like Nancy Pelosi and, uh, you know, uh, Diane Feinstein. I mean, I marvel at them. Um, I, of course, love people like Oprah and, and Maya Angelou who, who, who came. Just what they've done in their lifetime is, is, is a pure miracle, but they've also given back. So there's so many I could name, but I admire people who have worked hard, achieve their goal and then, you know, achieve success, but then have taken that success and given it back to the world. That's the, those are the people that I admire. Mm. What's the biggest advice you can give us? And I feel like you've already answered this question, but what's the biggest advice you can give us about following our heart? About following your passion? Yeah. I would say be really clear about what that passion is. You know, I think that when we grow up, you know, as young people, we listen to our parents and our neighbors and our friends and everything, and we get a little bit influenced uh, in well-meaning people, influence us into being something that maybe not not is not who we are or what we want. I see that all the time. And I think the best advice would be be very clear as to what your real passion is, what you really love to do, what your contribution to the world is. And when you're clear with that, that's the biggest step because then you can take steps to make it happen. The problem is, um, it, I don't think people, that first step might be the wrong step. Uh, and that's where it's the most important step. Mm. And you, you have to decide that for yourself. Every person has to decide for themselves. Do I want to be a therapist? Do I want to be you know, a producer? Do I want to be a winemaker? Do I want to be an oh. artist? Whatever it is, you have to decide. That's yeah. the, the hardest part. So my thing would be find what you really love, not what you think you love or what other people think you love, but what you, what's your heart's calling uh, in, in this world. And that's, that's where you'll succeed. Mm, I think that that's such a true, true, uh, statement and such a a very authentic way of looking at your own life and your own desires to be able Mm -hmm. to have that really clear evaluation of of what it is that you want to do and what you and what you want to create and at the end of the day it really is what do you want to contribute to the world right Mm -hmm. it's like what Mm -hmm. what exactly in which way do you want to show up uh Mm -hmm. to the world why do you, Absolutely. do you, you know what the, a big thing for me is, and this mm-hmm. is something that was a, a big fear for me. And, and mm-hmm. one of the things that was, was part of this 
catalyst that propelled me to follow my dreams was the fear of living my entire life never have even trying, right? Mm-hmm. So right. there's so many people out there that are just afraid of attempting to follow their passion. You yeah. know, they're just so consumed by the fear of what, what if it doesn't work? What if I, I mean, what's right. the worst thing that it won't work, but what does not working really look like for people? Mm-hmm. Well, but there's the backup plan. If it doesn't work, what's the next step that you would like to do? What's the backup plan to that? There, there's the backup plan. Also, I think people's biggest fear, and it was mine, was financial part. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I have to, you know, pay these bills, and I have to, you know, get these children through college. And so, um, you know, um, <laughs> I can't, you can't just, you know, you have a financial responsibility. You can't just, you know, oh, I'm quitting my job and, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I think the biggest part is the financial part, and I yeah. think that part can be worked out if you, you know, make a plan to, you know, maybe you you know, go into your savings or maybe, you know, you, you uh, save for a couple of years to make it happen or um, you have to just have a, you have to plan and make a plan. I want to give myself a couple of years. So how am I going to support myself during those couple of years to make it happen? Uh, you, you do. And there's the business side of all right. this. And there's, the, there's the business side of all that. It's never, I just quit my job and, um, and started painting, which I did, but it was, <laughs> <laughs> did do that, but I also had a, a plan. I, you know, I had a two-year plan. I had uh, enough to 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 make it for that two years, and then uh, we would have a backup plan. So, I just think that you you do. You, you, most people don't think they can do it. Yeah. But if you really, really work it out and plan it, and you really, really want it, you can do it. You can do anything. You know, and and just look at other people who have done it to inspire you. I mean, Oprah is a is a huge. When you think of where she came from and what she's done, mm-hmm. um, it, it's just it's it's mind boggling. So you can really do anything, but you can't just fly into it. No one's going to give it to you. It's not going to be handed to you. The truck isn't going to come and give you all the instructions uh, to the front door. It's <laughs> you got to make it happen, and you got to have that plan. And um, I'm a believer that anything's possible, but I'm also a believer that with that statement comes the long and hard work that goes with it. And mm-hmm. when I say hard work, I work many, many, many hours every single day, and I still do. Um, and so I don't just, you know, paint for five minutes a day um, or work for five minutes a day. It's long hours, and I just put it in. And so you have to do that as well. Oh, yeah, it. I, I agree. I did the same thing. Obviously, I quit my job and then just started teaching yoga and doing life coaching. I mean, th- that was just it. I did it. And it's funny when I work with people now that is not that is not ever my advice of like, well, hold on. <laughs> like, Don't just quit. Yeah, yeah. Uh, definitely, there has to be a plan. And my, my plan came after the fact, but I, I was so committed Layla, I was so committed and I was so like, I just believed and I knew that I was just in the right place and I just knew it would work. So I'm like, yeah. I don't necessarily need a plan because I yeah. know that this is, this is where I need to be regardless of, of what happens. And thank, thank goodness that it's all, yeah. <laughs> it's all worked yeah. out. But yeah. my, another question in, in regard to being mm-hmm. able to follow your, your passion is mm-hmm. in regard to the people in your life and, and the support that you had. What if there's people out there that are listening and, and are really inspired right now by, by what you're saying, but then have people in their life that aren't as supportive? How important is, is it to have to be surrounded by supportive people? Mm-hmm. And what can you do if you're not surrounded by people that are going to be on board? Yeah. 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 Well, I did have the support of my husband and my family, my children. And uh, my older daughter said to me um, when I had my first show in New York, um, and it was just like, boom, out there. And if you fail, you're done. And if you if you do well, we'll keep you kind of thing. And she said to me, um, wasn't it you, Mom, that said better to try and fail than to never try at all? And I said, you're right. I did say that. <laughs> but I, I think that... Um, <laughs> darn it. <laughs> I think that for those who don't have support, 
um, you can support yourself and you can still do it. You can still do it without support um, because the support comes from within you, but you have to have that confidence and that strength and that passion and that desire that has to come and that work ethic has to come in from you. So I, I think it's possible without support. Um, it's obviously better if you have somebody cheerleading you along and saying, you know, I'm going to help this way or, you know, um, you can do it, uh, you know, you know, better to try and fail than to not try at all. It's obviously better to have that support if you have family or friends. Mm-hmm. This is a plus. This, this, this is all, always a good thing. But if you don't, um, I think it's really possible, and I think if you look at a lot of successful people, in the past, uh, who have not uh, support or had really worse than that tough situations where people were taking from them and they were still able to succeed. So I think it's definitely possible. Mm. Absolutely, yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good to hear because I I yeah. know that sometimes it's some people are really in a position where they're just surrounded by you know a, a negative parent, a negative partner, yeah. or like negative friends yeah. that are just yeah. not supportive yeah. and. My, That's the work. Yeah, because it's, the work. it's it's just not conducive to our own ability to thrive, yeah. you know. And yeah, yeah. That's even worse than having no support. <laughs> worse worse right? than having no support is have some somebody bring you down every time you're trying to succeed, and and they're they're bringing you down because they have their own issues. That's that's to me the worst. But um, you know, you have to be able to say that. To, you know, I have to I have to ignore that to do what I need to do, and that's. That's a whole different ballgame. Ideally, it's best to have support. If you don't have support, you can definitely do it. If you have people dragging you down, then you got to get rid of that. How do we get rid of those people? <laughs> I'm like, give us some, give us some tips. Dragging you down. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just you, people drag you down. They they drag you down for their own reasons and their own, you know baggage, but you, you, you have to say, I'm not going to deal with it, or you have to say, I'm going to ignore it. I'm going to deal with it, but ignore it. I mean, that has to be your personal choice, but to be successful, you have to focus, and you can't focus if you're sidetracked in other directions, and that's what I was talking about before, where you go in all these different directions, you can't succeed. Mm-hmm. Focus on what you really want to do, and if, if you have people who are bringing you down, you just ignore them. You absolutely ignore them. You carry on. Mm. If you had to give us like five keys to success, what Mm -hmm. would they be? I would say the most important, find what you love to do. What is your passion? And I don't believe you have one. I believe everybody has many. So find it, tap into it. And um, then I would say uh, have a plan, uh, a really good plan on how to get to where you want to go, where do you want to go, and, mm-hmm. and how to get there. Um, I wanted to be an international artist, and I wanted to, to uh, I wanted my work to speak uh, to people. And so what are your goals, and, and how do you get there? And then I would say three would be to work really hard every single day and focus in on that goal. And uh, don't get sidetracked with life or all these other things that come along. And you, you're going to have to be a little bit uh, sometimes selfish with your time. I do a lot less dinner parties and a lot less social stuff because I want to paint and I want to mm-hmm. focus on my work. So uh, some friends understand, some don't like it, and that's just, you know, you have to say no to a lot of things and focus. And um, and then I would say have a really good plan and make sure you're you're checking your plan and and you're getting to where you want to go. It's a step by step process, mm-hmm. and um, uh, and you know I would just say once you get to the top and you get to where you want to go, then the last step is to give back and to give back in any way you can, in mm-hmm. any way, shape, or form. I love to give back to the children that I used to teach and have them come and see my studio, see the wine, the winery and, and, and the wine. It's an artist in form, obviously, of making wine. And mm-hmm. so I love to share that with them. This is how we make wine. This is how I make my art, my cities. And then we uh, go uh, to the side and they paint. Uh, I give them canvas and some paints and they make their own painting. And so that's my way of giving back at this point. And, and 
you know, it will grow as, as I grow. So, you know, once you get to that success point, then give back. And that, to me, is the full circle of success. What's the most important thing in your life right now? Uh, I think uh, what everybody will say, of course, your family, <clears throat> the friends, the people you love. The second thing for me personally is um, the most important thing for me is to make sure that I get out uh, all this inside of me, all these uh, paintings and this creativity, out on canvas, out in uh, into the world before I die. <laughs> That's what I would love to do. Oh my goodness, this is so, I have with so many questions. I'm like, we're running out of time, and I'm like, wait, we didn't even talk about this other stuff. Okay, so just a couple more questions before we, sure. we wrap up. Um, sure. This kind of ties back into this idea of being able to follow your dreams and follow your mm -hmm. passions and mm -hmm. uh, just maintaining that single-pointed focus. For for yourself, what is your what is your process like? What does your day look like? How do you maintain that focus in your own life? And I know you mentioned like having less parties or having you know less social time that you you may or may not indulge in with with friends, um, etc. So what what does your routine look like? Well, what I do is um, we have the as you know Charter Oak Winery. Yeah. We have a small boutique winery. And so um, I host two tours a day uh, where we have people come from all around the world, uh, Utah, Chicago, New York, all around the world, India. <laughs> yeah. um, and I host two a day, so that's two hours a day. And so I usually try to do them in the morning or in the afternoon, so I have a, uh, a stretch of time to paint. Um, I welcome these uh, these groups, and uh, we show them how the wine is made. We try the wines. I show them how I make my art, how I paint a style of painting that nobody paints in the world, cities on top of each other. And we talk about the art as well. I'm also, uh, uh, my second book is going to be out in June, and that will feature uh, the style that I paint that nobody paints. And so it will be a documentary of that style. Um, so we talk about the art, and then they, you know, uh, hopefully uh, enjoy the wines and the art, and uh, off they go. Two hours of my day is dedicated to meeting the people, greeting the people, showing them the art and the wine, the two art forms here at Charter Oak. Mm -hmm. And then after that, I close the doors, lock her up, and um, and I go to my studio and I paint um, 10 hours, 12 hours, whatever whatever mm -hmm. I want. Um, and I focus and I do my painting, and at night I try to, to do my emails and that kind of thing, and uh, I check in the day a little bit, but I, I mostly focus on painting. So I pretty much do that seven days a week uh, it, when I exhibit, and I exhibit all around the world. Then I close uh, the studio up, close the winery up, go travel, come back, open up, and back to greeting the people and working, and that's what I focus on. I focus on, you know, you, you when you create a, a, an art piece, whether it be wine or art, you have to share it. There's two parts of it, creating it, of course, and then sharing it with the with the world and with the people. So we try to do both here, and again, that's the left and the right side, the business side and the artistry side. Mm. So that's how my day looks. That's a, such a beautiful... I'm like, can I come live there with you guys? <laughs> I keep telling Anytime, Michelle, I'm Rosie. like, I'm going to come. The next time you guys go up there and I'm in town, I'm definitely going to hitch a ride. You should definitely, you should definitely come. I am. Know, no, we, I'm definitely planning yeah. on it, for sure. Please do. Please um, do. So just a, a couple couple more questions, and then I mm -hmm. will uh, I let you get back to creating, <laughs> creating amazing <laughs> art. Um, what... A lot of so I, I asked this question, and I actually don't think that I've ever explained why I asked these questions. But I think mm -hmm. that when we're t in in our teenage years, there there are pivotal things that happen that create uh, an opportunity for us to choose a path. In, in my mm -hmm. opinion, and yeah. there's also something that happens when we reach a certain age where we have acquired all of this wisdom, right? So I always like to think of all of us in, in the center point uh, of, of the spectrum. And so I always like to ask the question, I'll ask you, mm -hmm. what, mm -hmm. ad, what advice would you now give your 15-year-old self? 
Mm, that's a great question, Rosie. That's a great question. Um, I would say to my 15-year-old self um, uh, to don't listen to the voices that you hear from from those well-meaning people around you and listen to yourself, your inner um, self, and what you you feel, what you think, what you what makes you happy, what um, what delights you. I would say listen to that voice inside of you and um, and don't let anybody change that and nurture that uh, and believe in that. And, and I, I think I would I would say that to to my 15 year old self. Believe in who you are, uh, mm-hmm. who you were made to be, because everybody has um, uh, um, I think a, uh, a destiny, a con- contribution to mm-hmm. the world. Mm-hmm. And I think we're here not just to live, but to uh, contribute and then give back. This is and then you go, then you can say at the end of your life, or at least I can say. Job well done. Uh, job well done because I did the. I shared the right gift to the world, um, and I gave back. Okay, now mm-hmm. now that's what I want to do uh, before I die, so I can say, uh, job well done. Uh, mm-hmm. So I would say believe in. You're going to get faster to that point if you get on track earlier. <laughs> that's true. And I think, but I would say believe in who you are, what you want, um, uh, how you feel, and be in tune with that. Because it's very easy, particularly as a 15-year-old child, to believe what other people think you are and yeah. what other people want for you, you know, uh, what other people think you the path that you should go. And that happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So that would be my advice. Don't, don't believe in the well-meaning people around you. They're doing it mm-hmm. uh, for, you know, good reasons most times. But mm-hmm. uh, believe in who you are. Mm-hmm. What would your 85-year-old self tell you now? My 85, if, when I'm 85? When you're 85. <laughs> long, I long, say, long way from now. <laughs> well, not a long way from long now. Long way. No, not a long way. But I would say my 85-year-old self would say, Why are you laughing? Keep going. <laughs> keep working. Keep going. Don't stop. It ain't over till it's over. <laughs> <laughs> that's what I would say <laughs> to quote a very good book <laughs> okay great okay final mm-hmm. final question mm-hmm. so radically loved is the this form that I created for people to come to to mm-hmm. get information to mm-hmm. maybe even achieve some clarity or just listen to other people's stories of, of their yeah. journey their path or their their passion um, the idea is that we are uh, radically loved by universe, source, God, energy, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. what keeps this planet alive, basically, and that we are mm-hmm. supported by the universe that conspires for us and not against us. So the questions to you are, how do you feel radically loved and what do you radically love? Um, I, f- I feel loved by... Um you know, uh, by who, uh, some people will say it's God, some people will say spirituality or mm-hmm. whatever, you, however you want to uh, uh, describe it. But I feel loved by, let's put it, our creator. I feel loved by um, the person who, when I am closest to who I am and who I'm meant to be, I feel very, very loved. When I get off track and go into a different direction, then I get into trouble. I feel loved by uh you know, just the presence of, of uh, what you could call God or spiritual being. Um, and, uh, you know, I think when you have that, you have everything. It's all within the person, mm-hmm. everything you need, everything you, um, you desire, everything you want to do. It's really within you. And, and, and if you, you have that, you have everything. Wow. <sighs> and what do you radically love? What do I radically love? Um, oh, I love, uh, I love, uh, well, I would start with, uh, I would, I love God. I love, uh, uh, you know, his creation. I love my family. I love uh, good friends. Uh, um, and I love creating. I love doing all that. And then the peak for me is to create, to sit down with the family and the friends and all the people I love and enjoy. Mm. Oh, I love that. <laughs> 
it. That's so, that's so amazing. I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for being on. And I do want to say a special thank you to uh, creating your daughter, Michelle, who I love. Thank you for that. Uh, thank you for, yeah, thank you for creating her. And <laughs> talking about creation. Isn't she the best? Well, yeah, I always say my children, my children are my Mona Lisa, for sure. Oh, I love that. They're they amazing. are my Mona Lisa. You guys are all sure. so amazing. Everyone's so amazing and, and so inspiring. And I want to thank you for following your path and your journey and for creating a path for people like me that didn't think things were possible. And thank you for paving the way for us to believe that that anything is possible and that through hard work and dedication and all of the steps to success that you've given us that it's it's possible and it's all achievable so thank you so much for that oh, from the bottom you, of Rosie. my heart it's um, a pleasure and do come and see us uh uh do come and see us and uh we would really like that we, we, we would love that uh, Carter, i will studio, come and see us when whenever you can um and uh, the pleasure is truly uh, all mine. Oh, thank you. For, for people that want to connect with you, where can we find you? The, the you most? can go to uh, LaylaFinucci.com um, or you can go to CharterOakWine.com and uh, you can uh, see all about us and uh, give us a call. And we do tasting and tours every day and we just love to meet and greet the people and uh, show them uh, what we do over here. much you're welcome rosie thank you and we'll see you very soon hey everyone i hope you enjoyed this episode i am so excited to continue to do this please share this with your friends email us message us on instagram at rosie acosta or on twitter at rosie acosta subscribe on itunes write a review we love doing this so please help us continue to keep this podcast going thanks for listening